You are listening to the Hutton Orbital News Digest. This is a shorter version of the full show that you can find on iTunes. Enjoy! On the anniversary of the birth of a luminary, from the age of ancient space travel, which is often known as long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, over at George Lucas Station, which conveniently and utterly coincidentally carries his name, a number of pilots have found a crashed ship in one of the lower decks, encrusted with ages of space ick, and with a floor that is more squishy than it is firm. They've been poking around and not paying attention to the life signs on their scanners. As luck would have it, like the Easter Bunny in reverse, they appear to have found a room full of interestingly shaped eggs. As the human race does, and with no care for its own safety, one of them removes his face mask and leans dangerously close to an egg, which slowly opens. His face is bathed in an eerie light as he says, Guys, you've got to see this! Just as something squirmy, grabby, and with more legs than humans tend to like, jumps straight at his face. Of course, his teammates are far too busy doing something on their control panels and drowning out his muffled scream. So all you can hear are the words, Our mics are live. Good evening, listener, and welcome to Hutton Orbital Live once again. It's Thursday. Again. It's us. Again. And we're mostly live, or at least as far as I can tell. I'm Rudolf Hucker, and tonight we have... A Harry Balzac just hanging out, having come in from the Hollow Garden. A Wilma Fingerdoo just back from the gourmet kitchen. That is my quarters. Ah, Commander Wotherspoon, fresh from digging in the archives. A loose knockers. And I'm not allowed to be fresh, as it gets me into trouble. I'm Normus Knockers, and I'm in-in, which is like out-out, but a little more in. Simbad the Bad pretends that he's not all bad. What's the opposite of... The lights are on, but there's no one at home. Banter bus update. They've gone hunting for Tharg. Hair today and goon tomorrow. Hutton Carrier Recruitment Drive. Your orbital needs you. Lou's going to bring you up to date with what's happening with chickens in Hutton Space, apparently. And Hutton Orbital Radio broadcasts to a new tune. First tonight, an update from the 38 on the tales of Simbad the Bad and his awfully bad behaviour over in Colonia. Yes, 
having been thoroughly rotten and stolen Dunker's rests from WNL, that is Ed's 38, they fiercely resisted giving it back. The 38, on getting home from the hot mess and finally finding an open window to sneak back into, despite it being their own house, discovered that their oaty stores had been raided to make porridge instead of biscuits. Comfy cookie-eating chair had been sat upon by someone with no care for antique and very fragile furniture, and there was Simbad the Bad's hippie blonde girlfriend lying in one of the beds. On waking, all she did was scream, the bears, the bears, OMG, WTF, the bears, before exiting, pursued by the imaginary beast. This has left the Biscuiteers a little nonplussed, and after some stern negotiation, they weren't much wiser as Sinbad the Bad has claimed most falsely that the system was in a terrible state and he imprisoned all the residents for their own safety. He has stated that he does have an 85% release rate for all incarcerated dunkers, though there are suspicions that the capsules they're ejected in might actually be coffins and not speedy rescue devices. To cap it all, Sinbad's had his twirly moustache and beady eye on more systems in the area and has expressed an interest in stealing the big man's stuff and started a bit of a hoo-ha with Mobius. The Rotter has forced an election with another faction in WNL, then Scarpa double-quick time to his second dastardly deed for the day. Of course, the 38 have a plan. We're not sure what it is, but it might involve camping on Naughty Sinbad's doorstep, then leaving a wooden horse there and definitely vacating the area, not hiding inside it. We'll bring you more from WNL next week and find out whether they remembered to put a handle on the inside of the door in the horse's belly, some sandwiches to nosh on whilst they wait, and a convenient pot to pee in. Speculation has once again been raised, much like a meerkat waking from a long sleep, about just why the night side of Flanders' world in Shinrata Desra is totally dark. The Pilots' Federation remain mute on the subject, as they have for several years, and even the um, founder of Founder's World, Commander Liqua, refuses to say. Could it be that it's a planet inhabited entirely by 85 million commuters, and that they've gone home, and the last one switched off all the lights? Or are there really just a lot of astronomers worried about light pollution? Or are all of the streetlights made by Brewer Corporation? And did they repossess all the light bulbs when the owners failed to pay for the maintenance? Amongst the most ludicrous ideas that have been put forward is that over millions of years, the inhabitants of the planet have evolved into two different species. The happy, carefree folk that spend all day in the sun on their electronic devices, the e-toy, and the second race known as the forelock that live underground like wombles but without the compulsion to tidy up all the time, driven to pitch black subterranean caverns to grow food to serve their e-toy masters. Over mega anums, the forelocks have grown paler and paler skin, larger and larger eyeballs, a bit like your average internet streamer. A so-called spokesperson for the forelock said, We don't need lights down here, do we? My precious. 
The Big Blue Bubble Banter Pass, driven by Baz, has a new mission this week to repeatedly knock on Tharg's door and then run away giggling before he catches them and gives them one of his swirly green light shows and shut down stairs. Yes, they've been finding Thargoid bases and making a big mess of them. They've been off to see Errol the Little Scavenger and have taken a few selfies with him. They've looked at the bulbous growths in Tharg's back garden and even gone scrumping for a few materials whilst they're there. Unfortunately, after many attempts to get Tharg to come to his door all angry, they realised a little belatedly, as Atrus worked this out weeks ago, that Tharg's not home. They've given up and instead decided to go and peer through the windows of a generation ship and scare the living bejeepers out of the residence especially as they've all been without external human contact for hundreds of years. There have been several outbreaks this week of a condition known as Silly Barnet, named after an ancient subdivision of Earth's London and the laughable hairstyles that they had. The outbreak started last week in Shaver Dock in La Rochelle, and by the end of the day had spread to Planet Bald in the System Bald, which, incidentally, is home of the descendants of winemaker Lopez de Haro, for whom the orbital was named and for whom the grapes are still fondly squeezed on long summer evenings. This personal deforestation left the inhabitants feeling the chill of the night air and they were grateful for a donation of cash, half of which they had promised to spend on a dog. Uh, presumably to put on their heads to keep them warm. Other systems affected so far include Moda Dabi, Mohara and Springer Escape. The Pate system has been left sparsely populated and authorities are examining new reports with a fine-toothed comb. Alvin has put out an all-pilots bulletin in preparation for Brewer Corporation's launch of their latest giant pile of mobile space stuff. Yes, the fleet carriers are completing final testing, and Alvin needs to place an order for a few of these beauties to perform some vital duties. He'd quite like to be able to hop on the Hutton taxi over to Hotcoal and inspect his domain. And maybe pee on something to make sure everyone knows it's his and is appealing for commanders not only to supply the Hutton hot coal taxi but to keep it well fueled stocked with vital supplies and then guarded en route to colonia of course he's also quite enamored with the idea for a new vip parking space over at hutton for those poor pilots who've been flying their anaconda out and are busting to use the facilities or those that have forgotten their limpets other work orders have also included a Hutton big roundabout engineer routemaster, the Militrand Hollow high-speed Hyperloop, and of course, a roving Hutton event bus for those occasions when we need a handy stop-off point when we're doing something really important. All applications should be addressed to Alvin Defer, Hutton Orbital, near Eden, Proxima Centauri, Alpha Centauri system, just near Seoul somewhere in the bubble. Please include a self-addressed envelope and suitable postage in the form of a bundle of credit bills. What? Stop looking at me. I, I did my bit up there. Eh? BGS? Well, there was Hanky's report, but someone left that next to the chew toy and Alvin ate it. Okay, as far as I know, Tyr is between elections. The Riso is obviously an outbreak, but 
somehow managing to have a boom at the same time, and Eel Procol Centauri is in boom as usual. Hmm? I thought we agreed there's no point mentioning the bubble because there's nothing happening. There's 18 systems in boom and no negative states. No, no one cares about the public holiday in Alpha Centauri. It, it's not Alvin's birthday, and that's the only one we're allowed to celebrate. And if I mention that it's Galactic Chicken Dance Day, then Alvin might find out about the chicken dance at Hutton Orbital. There's still time for him to fly out there and start biting people, you know, so shh. No, you know I can't mention Edge 38. Because it's all gone tits up, and we've matched with Mobius instead of New Sinbad. And the plan to short out that shitstorm is top secret. No, no, I can't tell people what to do because Mobius might be listening and then they'll be able to stop us doing it. Just let me hand over to Norma. Norma, happy chicken dance day, my dear. Oh, thank you. I'm delighted to announce that despite not actually noticing that the radio station was off the air and broadcasting an awful lot of silence on various channels over the last few months, we've found the problem and fixed it. Trawling through logs from the last little bit, we've found video footage of a number of Hutton speedrun commanders exiting supercruise more than a little close to the broadcast tower. These pilots deftly managed to miss the television aerial, the docking pad, the habitation section and indeed the cubicle 3 recycling system. That would have made an awful mess. But they clipped one of the transmitters and totally took out the radio for the mug.com site. As the broadcast team here have been concentrating so hard on their makeup for their TV appearances each Thursday, as well as practicing their reaction faces to various new articles, they didn't notice that the on air light wasn't. On air, that is. <clears throat> Swift action by our own Dick Chafing and his pet tech monkey spanned the bed transmitter back in line and brought Hutton Orbital back to the airwaves in double quick time. They've also found a dusty old series of photographs lying around and managed to stick them to the notice board so everyone knows who each of the presenters are. For those interested, you can still always visit Hutton Orbital's very own message board over at huttonorbital.com. And that's it from me this week. Universe is in trouble, bug infestations in the bubble, your home stations burn rubble. What on earth can we do when your faction leader's a dog and your daily tasks are a slog? You're feeling like a youth cog. What on earth can we do now? Interstellar initiatives Let Flossie tell you what it is Then you can get involved with this You should listen to what Flossie says Interstellar initiatives Flossie tells us what she thinks it is Then you can get involved with this Now you should listen to what Flossie says 
Listen to what Flossie says. What can we do? Do what Flossie tells you to. What if she talks nonsense? Interstellar initiatives. Let Flossie tell you what it is. Then you can get involved with this. You should listen to what Flossie says. Now we just keep a voice in your head. Flossie told you what to do. Hello, Flossie here with this week's Community Goals Interstellar Initiatives non-news. Now, you know I don't like to blow my own trumpet, but my box has been stuffed full this week. Hundreds of you have mailed me asking not to leave it so long before I expose more of my past. So without further ado, here's the next chapter from my autobiography, How I Became the Pilots' Federation Favourite Pilot. Available at all good bookstores, some lots of good bookstores, and the two-for-one credit shelf in most charity shops. Chapter 3. My First Hands-On Job or Hard Times. After leaving Miss Creant's seminary and home for jolly rogering, I was eager to prove myself in the big wide galaxy, and despite what we were taught at school, to make an honest living. I searched and searched the mission boards, but all of the jobs I needed, needed I liked needed qualifications that I didn't have, like a bloodthirsty nature or an overdeveloped sense of what constitutes justice. Days turned into weeks and I was becoming more and more depressed, thinking I'd never get a proper job, never show those teachers at school that I could really amount to something. To try to distract myself, I went for long walks around the base, taking different routes each day just to break up the monotony until one day I found myself a grubby-looking door which bore a hundred notice. Assistant required must be willing to wrangle pythons. Well, I thought, I can do that. I've watched all those videos with that nice David Attenborough, so putting on my most confident face, I went boldly opened the door and announced, I'm here. Who needs their snake handling? Imagine my surprise when it turned out that I'd stumbled upon what might call a specialist filmmaking operation. Less nature and more naturist, if you get my meaning. Now, I'm as broad-minded as the next person, unless that person is Lord Shouty. But I found that I really was a comparative innocent and I was forced to grow up fast and reassess A, what I knew about the jobs in the film industry and B, that sometimes things aren't just close up, they really are big. I accepted a job as a cleaner. Actually, they said, I bet there's nothing about hoovering that we can teach you and set dresser. Though that turned out to mean getting everyone back in their clothes at the end of each shoot. I was introduced to the rest of the crew and the actors. I thought I knew what their job titles meant, but how long was I? Best Boy was actually a nickname for the lead male actor, for reasons that soon became apparent during filming. I mean, I didn't know where to look, but at least I knew where my towel was. The grip was not involved in the lighting, but was in fact the best boy's best friend, if you get my drift. Did you know that there was such a job as a focus puller? 
They explained it to me as, you pull this bit and they'll focus. And stunt coordinator turned out not to be a spoonerism. Who'd have guessed? Very quickly, I showed how good I was as a cleaner. As you can imagine, on a set like ours, hair in the gate happens more frequently than you'd like. And I soon progressed to take on more responsibility as a voice artist to dub some of the steamier scenes after the director heard the noises I made when enjoying eating a nettles cake. Oh, a lovely, juicy, moist nettles cake. Hmm. Sorry, where was I? Oh yes, I was doing so well, everyone had accepted me as one of the crew, and I think I'd be there still if it wasn't for my competitive streak. No, not the na- not a naked race. Get your mind out of the gutter. And our in-house sporting events. With filmmaking, there's a lot of downtime. And for us, some of the older actors need longer and longer between takes. So we played various sports to keep us occupied. This led to me being branded not a team player and asked to leave. On the day that I complained about the unusual serving technique that my opponent was using at ping pong, which meant that once again I was let loose on the galaxy at large. I'm afraid that's all we have time for this week. Next time I'll show you how I ended up naked in the frozen food aisle of my local store, how I met my first love and why your fingers or toes aren't the worst place to get frostbite if you're a young man. Flossie told you what to do to have mislaid but naked spokesman for lake on spaceways during the recent office reorganization i'm going to step into the breach and to be honest i don't have a lot to do whilst the thargoids are all self-isolating on their ammonia planets anyway as we wait for the cleaners to find the box marked muck this way up for goodness sake I will deliver the essential facts for week 232... Is it really 232 weeks? My, this chair is awfully comfy. I've happened to trucker like bike naked, just with added gravitas. The person who most blatantly ignored the stay-at-home recommendations this week is Commander Shattermage, who managed to jump a total of, oh my goodness gracious me, 50,278.8 light years, which is really a long way to go to walk the dog. Commander Mindwipers 
obviously got absolutely nothing better to do as he managed a total of 85,176 tonnes of cargo sold and accounted for. And we're very lucky this week because he managed to buy and sell the right amount without selling more than he bought as well. Our top mission runner this week was our guest on last week's radio show. It's that lovely Commander Millstone Barn, who racked up a total of 1,058 mission points. I think that pep talk when we were off air seems to have done the trick, so well done, Commander. Proving once again that he really is a bloodthirsty fellow, Commander Mizar Kurin, lovely chap, is still our top pirate killer with over 71 million credits from doing so. I understand that the dastardly Don may have a dartboard with your picture on it, Commander. Let's just hope he doesn't get the bullseye or you'll be walking funny for a week. Taking the Hutton Rail replacement bus for a total this week was our very good friend, Commander Intarius Fusion, who took a total of 609 passengers on totally unnecessary trips around the galaxy, just like we like it. As for the Hutton High Speed Run, oh, that's quick, isn't it? The record is still held by Commander Brett Riverboat at 1 hour, 22 minutes and 31 seconds, which still isn't 45 minutes. The fastest run so far in May is by Commander Malice XR3, who has beaten his time from last week to come in at 1 hour, 23 minutes and 56 seconds. It's good, Commander, but it's just not good enough. Are you seated by your televisual receivers, listening to this broadcast and imagining that if you had any beer, you'd pass it to a friend to hold so you could prove yourself even more worthy than the commanders who were mentioned this week? If so, you can visit the website hot.forthemug.com and download or register for the Hutton Helper. It's oh so helpful. And then travel the furthest, carry the most cargo, complete the most missions, carry the most passengers, or get to Hutton the fastest, and you'll join the ranks of the immortals who writes this rubbish, who've had their name read out on this radio show. And should you not already possess one, you learn a Hutton decal, which is lovely, which you can display upon each and every one of your ships and SRVs. Apparently, I'm going to get paid extra if I read out this message. Untop Trucker, brought to you by Lacon Spaceways, the only ships in the galaxy with a Have You Seen Buck Naked poster in every cockpit for the mug. Right, three, two, one. For the mug! Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the show. Everybody's buggered off now, so why don't you bugger off? Night-night, for the monk.